Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. Tonight on the bonus round, it's Mortal Kombat time as Bo and I discuss the first four games in the Mortal Kombat franchise, otherwise known as the arcade games. So don't go anywhere. The show starts right now. Welcome to Collateral Gaming Bonus Round. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Bo Maddox. And we are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas. And yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast. So whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it, my friends. Smoke it if you've got it. Yeah, smoke it if you've got it. And this is Collateral Gaming, by the way, right? Yeah, what did I say? I don't know. I'm pretty sure I said Collateral Gaming Bonus Round. Yeah, well, maybe I just wanted to check your words real quick and just kind of, you know, <laughs> make sure that everything's good here, you know? You, you made me doubt myself for a second there. I was like... I, I'm, I'm kind of a master at that sort of thing, so, you know. <laughs> well, we've got with us today Bo Maddox of Collateral Cinema. Recently, Collateral Gaming and Collateral Cinema did do a collab episode on the Mortal Kombat 2021 movie. Yeah, and that ended up being a lot better than previously thought, you know, than, than everybody thought it would be, I should say. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a blast. And you can hear more about that in our joint episode. In fact, we've got that episode uh on both of our podcasts, so you can watch that or listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. But we're gonna talk a little bit deeper into the Mortal Kombat franchise with this episode. Uh, still riding on that wave and kind of celebrating this event altogether. I just, this is something I've always wanted to do, uh, you know, across collateral gaming and collateral cinema, is go both ways. Yeah, and this is a great franchise to do that with because, I mean, there's so many memorable games throughout the Mortal Kombat franchise. I mean, we're mainly focusing on the first four games here. And, I mean, these were revolutionary games, especially the first one. I mean, I'll never forget when I first saw Mortal Kombat. I, I don't even think it was at an arcade. I think it was actually at an HEB. Yeah, that's something, you know, even my dad remembers playing as well. And when, when I was growing up, I was always aware of the Mortal Kombat franchise, but I, I think this was more into the console era that I can remember. But but starting with the original game, and, and today we're going to talk about specifically the first four games, the arcade games 
But uh, specifically with that first game, I mean, it was just so controversial when it launched. And in fact, the ESRB video game rating system exists today because of Mortal Kombat. Well, that and Night Trap, arguably. I mean, Night Trap was the other big brouhaha when it came to violent gaming back in the day. But Mortal Kombat's violence was in such a way that even my mom, whenever I would go to like CeCe's Pizza or whatever and go into their game room, like, I mean, of course, they had Mortal Kombat there. They had all those badass games. And she would specifically say, now, don't go and play Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and and I, I think I referred to this on the previous episode, but I totally played Mortal Kombat. You totally played I, it. I, I totally fucking played it. I mean, the first time that I ever really saw Mortal Kombat, uh, somebody did Sub-Zero's head rip fatality, and that just tripped me out when I saw it, man. Yes! I was just like, what the fuck? I mean, <laughs> that fatality got censored in later games, in Mortal Kombat 2 and then the Mortal Kombat 3 And, uh, and I, have n I have no idea why. Yeah, I don't know. That one's maybe not even the most brutal out of all the fatalities, but that was the thing about Mortal Kombat, was it was a game where... Sorry, it was, it was a game where just the most gruesome over-the-top, blood spilling everywhere, uh, violent punches and kicks and slicing people open and electrocuting people to death. Yeah, and every single fucking punch is just a geyser of blood. Yeah. And Mortal Kombat pretty much created its own little genre of fighting games. I mean, there were just Mortal Kombat clones out the ass, which... Eventually, I think we're going to have to talk about someday. I mean, I think because, we will. Yeah, because there were just so many games that tried to do the brutal, violent, mature fighting game thing, and some to varying degrees of success. I mean, if you're familiar with, you know, Angry Video Game Nerd, he did a episode on that, and somewhere floating around YouTube, there's a there's an hour and a half long video that is nothing but, you know, fatalities from various fighting games. Like, yeah. even those really over-the-top, like, Guilty Gear-style anime fighting games. Right. Like, they have some rowdy finishers, but a lot of the finishing moves in those games were... I mean, I mean, they were violent, they were kind of tasteless, like, like, especially if you get into something like Kasumi Ninja. Well, and... You know, we've seen it now. Graphic content is much more accepted within gaming culture. You know, back when Mortal Kombat came out, this was unprecedented. We didn't see video games really of this caliber. And, I mean, there was no reason why not there were movies that were that graphic. And, you know, it took an actual, like, legal case on whether video games were too violent or not. Which is funny, because if you go look at Mortal Kombat... It's just so over the top. It's not even it's not even really gruesome anymore. It's more just cartoony and outlandish and, and a little bit goofy. Well, especially going all the way back to this first game. I mean Johnny Cage straight up uppercuts a dude's head off. Yeah. <laughs> In one of the yeah, he just uppercuts a dude's head off. Kano is ripping a goddamn heart out of someone's chest. There's the aforementioned head rip fatality. And, and a bunch of other absurd shit. And, 
You know, I mean, that kind of goes back to the actual origin of Mortal Kombat itself. It was supposed to originally be a Bloodsport uh, adaptation. Okay. And, I could see I mean, that. And, you know, that's what Johnny Cage is supposed to be. I mean, I think they were actually going to get Jean-Claude Van Damme to digitize his likeness and everything. But Yeah, I have heard that before, that, uh, you know, originally this was uh, going to be a Jean-Claude Van Damme project. And, and you can see that with Johnny Cage's design. He's very clearly inspired by him. But I, I guess, you know, Van Damme, the plans for that fell through, so. Yeah, but... I think that we're the better for uh, we're it. the better for it because it created some iconic characters in gaming that yes. you know everybody's familiar with the original lineup. You know, right. I mean, Raiden, Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, Sonya Blade, Blade, Kano, Kano, Johnny Cage, Raiden. Yeah, I mean, and, and also Reptile. I mean, that you was already the said Raiden. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> but I mean, then they had Reptile, which was really one of the first real Easter egg unlockable characters that you could play. Yeah. And, and you he, ha you had to like run through a ton of hoops to get him. You know, like very specific types of uh, challenges. Well, but that yeah that that's another thing that Mortal Kombat did was secrets. Just. You know, just, just really deep-kept secrets. Even the basic gameplay. I mean, there's no manual. There's no move list in the original. There's nothing showing you how to do the fatalities. And and then there's just these secret characters like Reptile that are... Well, in, in Mortal Kombat, the first one, I mean, I think he is the only secret character. Yeah, he is. And, and it's an absurd number of tasks that you have to perform to get to him. I don't know how anyone came across it in the first place. A lot of... What early Mortal Kombat culture was like was it was real word of mouth. I mean, this yeah. was pre-internet. I mean, arcades were pretty much the social space for gaming at the time. I mean, you had like gaming magazines like Nintendo Power. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's also the other uh, part of that equation. But I mean, it, it's really how a lot of the actual movesets were propagated around, you know, it was word of mouth, but also a lot of the rumors about, you know, initially Reptile, which initially came to be true, but there was a lot of other bullshit as well, like, for instance, a nude code or something like that, which well, never came to fruition, honestly. You see this a lot in games, you know, even up into the Nintendo 64 era with Ocarina of Time, I mean, you, you, whenever all you have is word of mouth and there was no internet, the kind of these kind of bullshit rumors floated around that were so outlandish, and some of those later ended up inspiring actual characters and events added to later Mortal Kombat games. Well, yeah, and here's the main one: is Ermac. See, Ermac was this obscure little uh, in the arcade uh, programmers uh, debug menu. Yeah, it's like you can access it if you turn on any Mortal Kombat machine. I mean, it, in Ermac, it was it was unspecified what it was, but it had like a in the list like number of Ermacs because you know it would it would get a bunch of stats about you know how many how many plays there were, how many fatalities were done on that machine, you know. It, it's and, like if they brought back Error in a Zelda game. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, dude. If they brought back like, Error as a character, that would be badass. They need to do that. They need to make an NPC named Error in an upcoming game. But but back to Mortal Kombat, and I guess back to specifically the original game. 
because another thing that it was notable for were the graphics rather than sketch over you know sketch their own cartoon sprites in this case they took real people and this was kind of our early motion capture uh, you know and they just drew pixels over the actors and so you had real actors and real movements and aside from gora who is claymation of course and and that just looks straight up like jason out of that looks straight up like out of Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, totally. And I mean, I think to a degree they did that for Shang Tsung as well, because I mean, he, he looks like a decrepit old man with, you know, a real long beard and everything. Yeah. He, to, to me, he always looked kind of claymation in, in his own way for some reason, but, Maybe. but yeah, the, the actual digitization that they used, I mean, it, it was really interesting how they did that. They literally got, you know, actors with some martial arts talent to go in front of a blue screen and everything, and they just mapped out every single movement, every single animation that they were going to use. They they completely mapped it out. Yeah, like frame by frame. Yeah, literally frame by frame. It was pretty impressive for its time, and it was used in a lot of other uh, games, like Primal Rage did that, albeit with more claymation. Also, I mean, Kasumi Ninja did that. Some of the one of the Batman games did that. I think Batman Forever. That wouldn't surprise me. And and that was kind of one thing that distincted Mortal Kombat from its competitors at the time. I mean, you have this coming around the time the same time as Street Fighter Two, right? Yeah. And you know, this game in particular had, of course, the graphics and then the gory finishers and and the fatalities yeah man and i mean the fatalities pretty much were their own type of lore in its own way um, amongst the community you know because i mean i i think that there were even rumors of like the first rumors of friendships were from the first game that's something that the developers made into the second game yeah and i guess that's a good segue into mortal kombat 2 yeah because uh, obviously, one thing that was introduced in that game were the friendships, which is funny because they're almost as kind of this mockery of the parrot outcry from the first game. Yeah, I think it was a direct response to all that outcry. It was like, okay, you don't like all this graphic violence? Well, then here, tell your children to put in a friendship then. It's like, <laughs> just, just disable all the other sh bullshit and just do friendships. But to me, I mean, the friendships, they they kind of... You know, inspired a lot of callbacks in later games and in the original movie. Like, I mean, Johnny Cage, his friendship is referenced in the Scorpion and Cage fight. Yeah, it was, you know, with the To My Greatest Fan. And, and that later gets referenced in later uh, Mortal Kombat games. Yeah, it does. I mean, that was pretty much his standard friendship for like the for two games. It was uh, Mortal Kombat 3 and Mortal Kombat 2. Right. And... I mean, the other friendships were hilarious, you know, like, for instance, I think Liu Kang at one point does a shadow puppet of the Mortal Kombat dragon. Yeah. Like, I mean, Kung Lao, he pulls a rabbit out of his hat, which is referenced in later fatalities, actually. Yeah. And, and it's funny, too, because uh, Mortal Kombat 2 through the Mortal Kombat 3 variants, you know, including Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 and Mortal Kombat Trilogy, uh, those were the only games to feature the friendships up until more recently when they were brought back in Mortal Kombat 11. 
And the ones in Mortal Kombat 11 are a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. we, we not only watched a almost three hour long <laughs> fucking fatality reel, like from Mortal Kombat 1 all the way to to uh, Mortal Kombat uh, 9, X. was it? All the way to Mortal Kombat X. All the way to Mortal Kombat X, okay. And then we went and watched the Mortal Kombat 11 ones afterwards. Yeah, and then we watched a reel of all the friendships starting from Mortal Kombat 2, and that was really entertaining, man. <laughs> and I really like the Mortal Kombat 11 friendships. They are hilarious, and it makes sense to do them in that three dimension, you know? I mean, they can be a little more creative with them. They really can, as creative as they got with, you know, some of the fatalities and expanding on those, but that's something we'll probably talk about in our Mortal Kombat 11 episode. Um, in addition to friendships, I believe Mortal Kombat 2 also introduced the Babalities. Babalities are kind of strange you know they were that was another you know playground rumor more or less going back to the first game and the babalities to me i mean i don't really get their function other than just a joke but yeah i mean there, there's really not much to be said about them you you but you you turn your villain into a baby and humiliate them i mean it's yeah it's it, great and uh those did also return in mortal kombat 11 after being absent from Mortal Kombat 2. That, that, that's good. That's good. And the, the fatalities in Mortal Kombat 2, I mean... Oh, no, wait. They're not in Mortal Kombat 11. They have not been seen since Mortal Kombat 2. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's, that's right. The Babalities. No, the Babalities were all the way up till Trilogy. Were they? Yeah, they were in Trilogy as well. Okay. Yeah. And, and also the Animalities. But the Animalities started more in Mortal Kombat 3, though. But, yeah, exactly. But Mortal Kombat 2, that was a phenomenal game really and honestly it's really my favorite of the franchise because it was just a continuation of what they established in the first game and they managed to actually create some other iconic characters they're like baraka i mean you had jade kitana mm -hmm. melina i mean th those are all characters that are they've become so fucking integral to the lore of mortal kombat I mean, yeah. you, you just can't have Mortal Kombat without them. And, of course, we're also introduced to Shao Kahn in this game. Who also continues to reappear. But, yeah, uh, introducing the, the female palette swap ninjas. <laughs> yeah, introducing them. And, I mean, I always uh, liked Kitana, honestly. She was really cool. Kitana's cute. She is, and, and she's a well-rounded fighter as well. Yeah, I mean, she's fun to play as with her fans. Uh, we got Jax introduced in Mortal Kombat 2, who becomes a mainstay. Yeah, I mean, even going into the original movie, you have Jax in the very beginning. Yeah, and uh, Kung Lao, who uh, actually showed up in the new one, the new Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah, and, I, and I'm thankful for that. That's a great character. Yeah, and uh, and then like you said, Shao Kahn is just. Uh, I don't think you actually get to play as him until trilogy. I think he was just a boss character, right? I don't really remember if you could unlock him. I, I think in Mortal Kombat three, starting from there, you can unlock him. Okay, yeah, because uh, yeah, because he he's a boss character. Because I know in the first one you can't play as Shang Tsung, for instance. No, or yeah, Goro. yeah. In, in the first one, no, you can't uh, play as either. But Shang Tsung becomes a playable character in Mortal Kombat 2 onward. With with a younger look. You yeah. Know, he finally drops the decrepit old man look. I guess that was... Because he was uh, pretty much given a second chance by Shao Kahn. So he's given new youth and, you know, better powers even. I think his powers are even a little more, you know, expansive and everything. They referenced that in the Mortal Kombat 11 DLC, actually. Really? 
Yeah, his ability. I think he's able to like make himself young by draining souls. That's part of his soul. That, that makes sense. Power. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what would keep him alive for so many, you know, millennia. Exactly. So he's a really fun character too because he can copy the move sets of all the other characters by shape shifting into them. Yeah, I mean, it makes him a well-rounded character if you happen to, you know, play as many different characters because you if can you pretty know much, their move if, sets. If you know their move sets, I mean, you could kick ass as Shang Tsung like easily. Yeah, exactly. I mean. That would, I mean, that that would kind of be the 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 best character for like a top tier player who's well rounded and likes and, and works with all the characters, because ultimately then you can switch your style up in the middle of a match. Exactly, and you can even do multiple fatalities with him, which yeah. is, uh, I, I think, in Mortal Kombat Four, Quan Chi is pretty much the Shang Tsung there, and he he pretty much does the same thing. He can yeah copy he, every other yeah. fatality, which which is cool. I had a I had a point in my mind. Oh, Mortal Kombat 2 also introduces a second fatality for every single character. Yeah, that's that's right. We get multiple fatalities and also some new stage fatalities as well. Yeah, it, exactly. In the first game it was just the pit. That was the only stage fatality. Mortal Kombat 2 has its own version of the pit. It has the acid Yeah, it has the acid bath. The acid bath, yeah. And it also has the ceiling spikes and in the one ceiling spikes. In, in one of the the levels. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the, the actual settings of each fight is really cool, I think. Like, there's that iconic one where you have uh, Shao Kahn in the middle, and then you have, like, Kano tied up, and then... Um, Sonya Blade, Sonya tied, Blade up. tied up. Who did not return for Mortal Kombat 2. Those are the two characters who didn't return from the first game, because they were apparently the least played characters among the community. But, so they ended up including those two characters into the backdrop of one of the, of one of the stages. Yeah, and I think there's some machines where Katana and Melina might be tied up in some machines. I think it just kind of depends. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It, there's a lot of shit going on in the background, and, and they're just intricately designed. I mean, even going back to the first game with the crowd and Ching Sung in the background and the... You know, in the tournament stage. Yeah, yeah, the crowd of monks that uh, applaud you whenever you finish a match. It's yeah. Like, yeah. And in Mortal Kombat 2, you have even that one stage with the background where there's two fighters, and there's like a little bit of lore with those two characters. Yeah, both of them, I think, ended up making their way as playable characters later, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, especially Blaze, I believe, right? Yeah, fans used to call him Torch, but uh, he was Blaze. Uh, over like Mortal Kombat Armageddon or Deception, one of those. Yeah, and in Mortal Kombat 9, I believe that they f pretty much faithfully recreate that stage and have like background fighters and there is it's a little more animated and they have like a full-on martial arts match going on in the background. Yeah. So, it, I mean, that's a good little Easter egg for Mortal Kombat 9 fans, which we're not going to talk about here, but... Mortal Kombat 9 is actually cool to bring up, though, because it is an altered retelling of the first three games. It's it's essentially a, a, a reboot, but kind of like the the Star Trek reboots and the the Star Trek films. Uh, it's it, it's a in universe reboot via time travel, in which you know they go through the events of the first three games, but uh, things are happening a little bit differently, uh, ultimately culminating in a, in a completely different timeline. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, going back to Mortal Kombat 2, 
I mean, you have a different Shokan as the mid-level boss. Instead of Goro, you have Kintaro. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting where he falls into, you know, the Mortal Kombat canon, you know, because he, he looks so different from all the other Shokan. I mean, you have Shiva, you have Goro, and he's got tiger stripes and whatnot. Like, I'm not sure if that's like a, a subgroup of the Shokan, but... It's a Frosted Flakes thing. It's a Frosted Yeah, they're great. <laughs> so he, he's, he's the Tony the Tiger of the Mortal Kombat verse? Yeah. Oh, wow. But, uh, yeah, my Mortal Kombat 2 also was was actually, unlike the first game, was uncensored on all the platforms it came on. Yeah, Nintendo infamously censored the hell out of Mortal Kombat, and it was severely nerfed. Like, yeah, the, the fatalities were all... I mean, all the blood was replaced with sweat, and then the fatalities were all toned down. And and to be fair, the Genesis version shipped without all the blood and gore, but, but it you actually... Could enter a cheat code. Yeah, it had a code where you can activate the blood and gore and the fatalities and everything, so... I mean, that's what always made, you know, the Genesis Mortal Kombat releases, I mean, even all the way up to Mortal Kombat 3, it made them, like, the better... It made them better just uh, initially, you know. At least, at least with the first game, it was better. Well, yeah, because by the sequel, I believe all consoles were all uncensored. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, Nintendo, who had at that time, you know, set itself as a family-friendly uh, company, was was starting to realize that you know they had to appeal to different markets because of their competitors, which which is good because Nintendo to this day is still seen as the family-friendly company. But there, there still is, you know, third-party titles developed for Nintendo consoles like Mortal Kombat. I was just playing Mortal Kombat 11 on the Switch. Yeah, you know, and, and I, yeah. Anyway, that that was just a little side note. <laughs> <laughs> In 1992, one of the most controversial video games of all time was first unleashed in arcades, Mortal Kombat. This original blood and gore fest inspired decades of utter carnage. After the immense success of the first arcade game, two more sequels were created that helped unravel the complete story of the deadly Mortal Kombat Tournament. For the first time ever, all three original arcade games can be downloaded together and in their entirety from the comfort of home. But yeah, I mean, Mortal Kombat 2, I mean, I remember when I first saw that game. It was also not in an arcade. I mean, it was at the... BX Exchange on Lackland Air Force Base. That's where I was born. That's where my dad was stationed all the way up till his retirement. Uh-huh. And, I mean, when I saw that, I was like, oh, snap. And, and then <laughs> I, I saw that first little demo reel. It showed all the new fighters and everything and all the new backgrounds. It's like, oh, man, that looks better. 
Yeah, it was an upgrade on almost every way over the original game. Even the graphics look a little bit better, I think. Uh, and then even more improved in, by Mortal Kombat 3. Yeah, and also they had the story a little more fleshed out for each individual character. And yeah, th- there isn't much of story within the arcade games, but there is all of that lore and, and the character intro screens and, and kind of their endings, individual endings, Yeah, uh, really show the backstory, which... Uh, if you if you're following, you'll realize Liu Kang is the canonical winner of the of at least the first two tournaments, right? At least, I mean, up till what the what the Outworld pulls in the third game. Yeah. So, but every character has endings that kind of go into their backstory. So while the endings aren't canon, you know what the endings reveal about each character are, and and so you know you get this backstory between Scorpion and Sub Zero, which is heavily focused on in the new movie. Yeah, and, yeah, and that storyline—it's starting to get a little, you know, it, it starts to become more divergent in the third game, you know, because you have a different Sub Zero there. Yeah, well, actually, I think from the second game on, it's it's the younger brother because Scorpion kills Sub Zero in the first game. The elder Sub Zero, Bihan, later becomes Noob Cybot. Yeah, and he does show up in Mortal Kombat Three, right? Yeah, he does. I or think one of the variants. Yeah, I think that not only is he noob Cybot, he also comes back as the uh, as the classic Sub Zero. They bring him back as a as a character. I think yeah, in Mortal Ultimate Mortal Kombat three and Mortal Kombat trilogy. Yeah, they did. Yeah, uh, and oh, funny enough, Scorpion actually didn't make it into the original release of Mortal Kombat three. Yeah, that's what was weird. I mean, I don't understand that. I mean, they they rectified that with Ultimate Mortal Kombat three. Which, I mean, we may as well go ahead and start talking about. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Mortal Kombat 3, what characters did they introduce? They introduced Motaro. I mean, they brought a lot of characters back. I mean, it, it, they, 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 the newer ones, they were Nightwolf, Striker, Motaro, and oh, who Oh, else? we didn't even talk about the bots from Mortal the what? The bots, Cyrax and Sector. Oh yeah, Cyrax and Sector. Yeah, they're the they're the other new characters because the Lin Kuei started doing cyberized ninjas. Yeah, yeah. They 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 introduced that whole plot thread, and I mean, I think that you know they're pretty decent fighters. Honestly, I mean, if you learn how to use one of them, you can use all of them. Kind of like with the ninjas and everything. With but, the ninjas, yeah. But I mean. It's just kind of weird that, you know, the Lin Kuei started just deciding, hey, let's just do cyberized fucking ninjas. It's like cyber ninjas, dude. That's what I love I about mean, Mortal Kombat, though. It, it it blends together science fiction and fantasy, and it gives no fucks. Absolutely no fucks. And, I mean, we actually start to have a lot more stakes in the storyline. Yeah. Because... What happens here is that there's not really a tournament going on. Like Outworld is just straight up invading our dimension. They're Earth just realm, yeah. they're just straight up invading the Earth realm. Yeah, and, and Jax comes into Mortal Kombat three missing his arms, and he's got the cybernetic arms now. Yeah, and in this version, he actually went and got the cybernetic arms. They grafted. It's not like in the most recent movie. Yeah, but. I mean, you realize that, I mean, you're pretty much fighting in the middle of an apocalypse here. I mean, the, the Outworld has already culled, like, millions of souls, and you have just 
the remaining survivors of Earth. I mean, that's where you get Nightwolf and Stryker. Yeah. Like, like Nightwolf was able to protect himself using his tribal magic. And Stryker was just a riot cop that got lucky and managed to evade and fight off all the outworld minions and whatnot. Yeah, I don't ever like Stryker. Maybe it's because he's a cop. I don't know. Maybe. And, I mean, isn't it kind of messed up that in a lot of the demos and everything, they always have him fighting against Jax? Yeah, that's kind of weird, That's right? weird, right? <laughs> it always feels like he's fighting Jax. It's like, oh. Oh, yeah. yeah like this, is un- of that. this is very unfortunate. Um, oh, Ugh. did we didn't even mention Smoke. Uh, he was introduced in Mortal Kombat 2, right? Yeah, and then he was cyberized in Mortal Kombat 3. You know, going into that that subplot that you brought up. Yeah, yeah. And, and that becomes a really huge issue between him and Sub-Zero because that's Sub-Zero's friend right there, like his best friend from childhood. Yeah. And they both went into the Lin Kuei, and I think that Smoke was forcibly cyberized. I, I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that he did so consensually. They, they captured him. Yeah, and then there's uh, Sindel, the wife of Shao Kahn. And Kitana's mother. And Kitana and Melina's mother. Well, Kitana's mother, because Melina's a clone of Kitana. Yeah. And you also have Shiva connected to them. Shiva is uh, Sindel's bodyguard. Right. And yeah. that comes up in an 11, I remember. Who else shows up in Mortal Kombat 3? I'm trying to think. Oh, I, I don't really remember, man. They introduced the animalities. That was a big thing. Oh, Chameleon. I've, oh, chameleon, I've, the male and the female chameleon. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's that's an all encompassing. Just if you know any of the move sets of any of the ninja characters, you can totally play chameleon. Yeah, like one hundred percent. But I mean, I, I think that he he becomes a they become playable characters in Mortal Kombat trilogy more more so. I think so. Yeah, because Ultimate Mortal Kombat three brought back Scorpion. Um, and, and also, I think, classic Sub-Zero and added yeah. some, some other content. And then Mortal Kombat Trilogy is Mortal Kombat 3 story mode with all every single character from Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 also included in the Ye- roster. Yeah, and that was an, an exciting game to play. I mean... You had like the original versions, like the MK1 versions of like Raiden and Kano and uh, Sub Zero and whatnot, and, and fighting against you know like Motaro or Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat Three, and I mean it was a cool game. Yeah, it really was. I mean, on on the PlayStation there was a lot of loading, unfortunately. But, but I mean, if you're gonna play Mortal Kombat three, I mean that's pretty much the definitive version because yeah, it is. You get all of the characters, so yeah. If you can track it down, yeah, definitely pick it up. I don't recommend any of the ROMs that are out there because the ROM that I have on my PlayStation Classic is janky as all hell. Like it will not fucking play. Uh. So yeah, I mean, be wary of any of the ROMs that are out there on the internet. They may not work with whatever emulator you're using, so just fair wa- fair warning there. Yeah. And, and, and also, I can't get some of the uh, MAME ROMs to work. So I, I don't know if it's something with my with my RetroArch build, or, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's actually funny, because there isn't really a, a real good way to play any of the original games right now, other than emulation. There hasn't been a recent port in God knows how long. I mean, I got the Mortal Kombat arcade collection, which was released around the same time as Mortal Kombat 9, or the reboot, yeah. and... uh 
that I got that on the Xbox 360. I managed to I, I hooked my Xbox 360 up and I quickly downloaded it from the from the online store. But that's the last time that this game was ported, or these three games were were ever ported, and it and it includes I, I think the Ultimate Mortal Kombat three. Yeah, Ultimate Mortal Kombat three. Man, I mean, I have lots of memories playing that on Genesis over at my uh, buddy Joey. If you're listening, Joey, I mean, I know you remember this shit, man. Like, his family had to have their electricity hooked up to a goddamn generator. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we would we would spend most of our time, like, playing Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 with this literally right out the fucking window. That's funny. <laughs> oh, man, those were good times, though, man. I mean, that was where... You know, we pretty much saw Mortal Kombat just come together. Yeah. Oh, really? I mean, it, it must have been cool, you know, seeing these games progress over time and and getting to see, you know, new characters come along and, and new mechanics. It really was. It, it, it was an interesting time, you know, when we were getting those early arcade ports and all the controversies with, like, the Super Nintendo versions and everything. And... You know, also, I mean, the thing about the Genesis Mortal Kombat's is, is like they were the most faithful to the game content-wise, but sound-wise, you know, the Genesis was never that great. Their sound chip was always shit. Yeah. So, I mean, the the music wasn't really all that great on the Genesis all the time. So, I mean, it, it wasn't perfect, but I mean, it was still very responsive. The, the Genesis version is like the most responsive version of mk3 i could i could think of other than the arcade yeah i mean and that was really the standard was it was how uh how well does the game actually emulate the 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 arcade experience and and is it you know responsive to that degree yeah yeah And, and that was sometimes hard to capture with the technology and consoles that we had at the time but that was kind of remedied when Mortal Kombat 4 came out. Yeah, which, and that's which, the next one we wanted to talk about because it, it was really, although it's not as well associated with the trilogy, it still is the last Mortal Kombat arcade game that came out, you know. And then after that, I mean, they pretty much just started coming out on, on consoles. Yeah, I mean, it's weird to live in a world where there isn't any more Mortal Kombat uh, arcade games out there. It would have been nice to even see Trilogy get an arcade release. I, I don't think that it... That, I think that was console exclusive, mostly. I mean, they really ought to. They really ought to start getting some... I mean, I, I feel like it would just be... I mean, once everything opens back up again, I really feel like they're missing out. NetherRealm Studios, who is the successor to Midway Games, who produced the original games. Yeah, maybe, re- maybe release new arcade ports, like in HD. Yeah, they could really capitalize on that. There is not enough of the classic Mortal Kombat games... I had an issue with trying to play the original games. Like I, like I said, I had to go and use my, was it last last generation console? Yeah. To just to play them, uh, either that, and then Mortal Kombat Four. There was no alternative. The only way we were able to play it was emulating it on your PlayStation Classic. Yeah, and I remember actually buying Mortal Kombat Four when it came out on the PlayStation, and I I, I initially played. That's the version that I initially played at first. So. Yeah, I imagine so. We got to play a little bit of that. I mean, that's where the the story, uh, I mean, the the game actually came into three dimensions. So this is around, you know, the PlayStation 1, Nintendo 64 era, of which the game also was released on. Yeah, and 
I mean, the PlayStation version version was better, just yeah. by far. It, it was more responsive. the the uh, The controls were better. The uh, graphics were pretty okay. I mean, it, it's it's a fun game, and it introduced some new gameplay elements, like for instance, weapons for the first time. Yeah, and also sidestepping in 3D. That was kind of cool. I saw that in the Naruto Clash of Ninja games, that same mechanic. Yeah, and it was originally kind of a soul caliber thing, but I mean, it kind of translated well into Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it's not in the modern games, but it was a neat mechanic. Uh, also, interactable objects in the environment that people could throw and use. Yeah. I mean, you had, like, rocks, like, severed heads and other such implements. And, I mean, it made for, you know, a more spontaneous style of combat, you know? Yeah. And, and they even went kind of all out with the stage fatalities as well. Oh, yeah, man. Like, that fan fatality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that was where you really started to see the more elaborate stage fatalities that you would see in, like... Uh, Armageddon and Deception and whatnot. Right, and even in the more recent games. And, you know, kind of with the, the addition of the third dimension, I really think that you get to see the world in more detail. Definitely. And, I mean, the stages are themselves that even the ones that don't have stage fatalities, I mean, I think that they're kind of interesting. Like, there's one which is like the official room where all the different gods are. You know, where they reside at. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's another... Let's see, what's the other stage fatality in that game? I think there's another uh, dungeon with the spikes. Yeah, there's another spike ceiling. And and the uh, the even the pitfall makes its uh makes its reappearance in this in the the game over animation. Yeah, I thought that that was really unique. I mean, if if you let your game over timer uh run out entirely, yeah, I mean, first you see your character falling down a pit and then finally they just hit those spikes and <laughs> it's pretty awesome, I think. Yeah. Uh this game also had introduced Shinnok and Quan Chi who we mentioned earlier. Yeah. I mean, Shinnok, he was an interesting character, I mean, and it was interesting of them to have somebody who wasn't Shao Kahn yeah, for a change. I, I think he pops back up again in Mortal Kombat X. Yeah. But he was kind of the main villain, the the Shao Kahn of that game, I guess, with with Quan Chi being, like you said, the Shang Tsung, but even in terms of his, his moveset as well. Yeah, and I mean, Shinnok is an okay character. I mean, you could pretty much play as him like right away in the game, which is kind of unique. Yeah, I don't. Were there any unlockable characters in Mortal Kombat Four? I think, um, I think the first time that you see Meat is in this game. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was a secret. Yeah, I mean, other than that, I'm not really sure. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know how many secrets were in this game as as opposed to the other games. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, I, I can't really recall. It's been a while since I played the game. I mean, up till recently. So. When, we, when we got to play it a little bit, yeah. yeah. And, and this was my first time playing any of these, by the way. Yeah, so, I mean, it was kind of a trial by fire. I mean, didn't you remark, like like you said earlier, how the fuck did people, like, figure all this shit out? Right, you know? like, I had to bring up, you know, uh, uh, move lists for reference and whatnot. And thankfully, my Xbox... Uh, ports for Mortal Kombat's one through three had a built-in move list, but 
you know, at first when we were playing on your PlayStation Classic and we were playing Mortal Kombat 4, I mean, uh, we just kind of had to look these up. Or go into the practice mode. Yeah, thankfully, MK4 did include the practice mode, which is nice. That was a much needed... I mean, even if, even if you don't want to put the move list in the game, which it doesn't, and only puts them in the practice menu, that is a perfect place for you to be able to practice your special moves and your fatalities. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it was also, I mean, one of the first times that you started seeing a practice mode in the series, so... And now, like, the tutorial that they have for Mortal Kombat 11, holy shit, that is complex. It is complex as fuck. I mean, we're getting on, like, Tekken-level complexity and talking Just, about combo canceling and all the shit that goes over my head. I'm shit, we're, we're getting into, like, Virtua Fighter territory of technical here. Yeah, right? and in addition to that, there's fatality tutorials, there's character tutorials. Yeah, I was uh, checking out the Cassie Cage tutorial until it just made me mad and i was just like no i can't do this anymore <laughs> damn it yeah i I'm, I'm having an angry gaming moment yeah but you know back then in, in the original games you just had to figure the shit out and i i know how things got around by word of mouth but how did someone originally come up with this it's i mean it's hard to really describe that i, I mean i don't know i don't I mean, know how it was one of those things, right? Like you would discover a fatality and you'd be like, holy shit, like I ripped a guy's head off. And then someone would be like, no, you didn't. And then it turns out that you actually could. <laughs> well, I'm sure that there were plenty of tutorials in gaming magazines at the time. So, I mean, that remember, that was like the key way that you figured this shit out. It was either that or buying the actual strategy guide, which most of these games did have. They had strategy guides and everything with all your movesets. All your character like Did those strategies, get, like, developer input, so that all of the secrets. Were yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about Brady Games, you know. I mean, it's a official Brady Games uh, yeah. strategy guides. You yeah, know? I gotcha. So, I mean, that, that's about as definitive as you're gonna get, right there. Right. And nowadays, I mean, you've got game FAQs and and, and other walkthroughs and and tutorial videos on YouTube, plus what is in game. But but back then, I mean, yeah, you just you just either had to figure shit out yourself by accident. Uh, hear it from a friend, and it could maybe be bullshit. Could maybe be real. You don't know. Or yeah, wait I'm, for it to be you know said in a magazine, or or go buy the strategy guide. And I mean, that's how a lot of gaming lore was kind of established. I mean, I I don't know if you've seen any of those iceberg videos on YouTube. You know, mm. going into the iceberg of gaming or whatnot. Okay, and. I mean, a lot of that shit that was that you would base on hearsay and everything. I mean, it came from that. It came from you know people just having to just dig and grind through games in order to figure out how to beat them and how to what the best strategies were and everything. And so that that's how you got a lot of these different myths about games and whatnot, and that's some really of the urban some of the urban legends of of our time. You know, like like stuff like. Uh, what what what's the what are those the the Sky Valley trees and fucking Mario Galaxy, whatever they were, you don't even know about that. I don't think I do. Oh, that's some creepy shit. I need to show you some videos on YouTube then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you'll be like, huh? What what the fuck are those and why are they there? Yeah, they even have speci specific coding and everything. So, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, that sounds weird. Yeah, but. I mean, I guess we'll kind of wrap things up from here. I mean, do we have anything more to say about Mortal Kombat's 1 through 4? I mean, other than what they 
mean to me personally as an old school gamer because i mean I, as you know i'm a more of a retro gamer than a modern gamer i mean in many ways gaming ends at the ps3 generation to me okay yeah and so i mean I, th these are just throwbacks to an era of gaming that's just we're never going to get back man i mean it, it was the last time that gaming had any real innocence even with all the violence and gore there was there was an innocence to it i know what you mean yeah yeah, it was it was still a growing industry. Yeah, exactly. And and the culture was growing. And Mortal Kombat so greatly contributed to gaming culture that I mean, it, it's up there with, you know, like Zelda, with the Final Fantasies, with, you know, Ma the Mario games and whatnot. I mean, it, it's something that really helped to shape like gaming as we know it. And you'll notice that what these things all have in common is that they're long-standing series that still exist today. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and also their original incarnations are just so iconic. I mean, everybody, like I said earlier, everybody knows the an original set of fighters. I mean, everybody knows Sonya Blade. Everybody knows Scorpion. Everybody knows Get Over Here. Yes. I mean, everybody knows the head rip. I mean, this is just part of gaming culture and it's an important historical artifact that's I that's why i see the mass yeah it's another one of those icons that are even recognizable to casual gamers and or even non-gamers yeah i mean if, if they start allowing games in the library of congress i'd be surprised if mortal Kombat isn't in there it, it needs to be preserved it like does that. you're right they needs to be games do need to be preserved by the Library of Congress. I agree. We need to, we yeah. need to start that and and at least the original Mortal Kombat, if nothing else. Yeah, at least the very first Mortal Kombat, just for his its historical significance to gaming. To I mean, like you said earlier, the ESRB is a thing because of that in Night Trap, pretty much. I mean, and cultural significance as well. I mean, we got to see video games uh, that were we got to see graphic video games like Ninja Gaiden. Mm hmm exactly and i mean like i mean the as a, result. as a result and also just violence in video games in general just yeah. the the controversy around it and how it evolved in gaming like i mean you had like doom you had hexen you had all the mortal Kombat clones which were just really really gory just send-ups <laughs> and everything and eventually you, you led to stuff like resident evil and you know, which also elevated graphic violence and gore to a to a new level. Yeah, for and sure. I don't know if Mortal Kombat was the first graphic video game that ever came out, but I, I don't think so. I, it was probably the first that was real popular and, and mainstream. Yeah, it really mainstreamed that level of violence, and I mean, the way that you see it nowadays. I mean, games are such a mature uh, medium. And, and it's good because with that maturity, you can explore uh, different dimensions of life. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess that that's really all we have to say about it. If uh, you have never played the original Mortal Kombat games, I mean, I don't know of a real good way to play other, them other than through emulation. Or maybe if you want to fire up your Xbox 360 or PS3. Yeah. Yeah, it, they're a lot of fun, and if you can't get access to the original games, play the games that were inspired by them. 
I highly recommend anything. I mean, who I mean, who listening to this podcast hasn't played a Mortal Kombat game ever, I guess is the real question. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, mean <laughs> it's just that ubiquitous. So Yeah, it's just part of gaming culture. Uh, and it's really awesome to talk about it. I'd love to go deeper into the series and talk about some of the later games, maybe in a future season. But uh, we're also going to be talking about Mortal Kombat 11. We're going to do a full episode on that, another collab between Collateral Gaming and Cinema, and that'll conclude our Mortal Kombat event surrounding this new movie. Our coverage, you should say. Our coverage, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just for the hell of it, I just, I really want, I only want to do this with any new franchise that's coming out, you know, Uh video game to movie adaptation or the like in some other way that the that our, our our worlds collide yeah yeah definitely cinema and gaming but uh look forward to that uh we're also going to be talking about dead space next month that's going to be our our next official numbered episode uh what can we expect from collateral cinema Bo? Well, we are going to be talking about the Toxic Avenger on our next episode. We're going to be recording that this weekend when we're going to have Michael Cornwell joining us for that. And hopefully Robert will be there because, you know, Robert is kind of an expert on trauma and everything. So it's he's, it's kind of essential that he be here. Hell yeah. I oh, I can't wait to talk about Toxie yeah. and uh, get back into trauma. And if you didn't listen to our review of Mortal Kombat, uh, we did release a spoiler-free at the movies episode. Uh, you can go check that out. Like I said before, Collateral Cinema and Collateral Gaming. Um, that's kind of what we're, we're referencing here and what we're writing off of. Yeah. And, uh, oh, here, here's, here's one last question for you, Bo, okay? Yeah. Out of Mortal Kombat's one through four, what what's your favorite? Two, all the way. Two? Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's that's just the most nostalgic one for me for some reason. Mortal Kombat three would actually be my second one. Okay, I I would I would probably say Mortal Kombat three. Just in total terms of content, it really seems to have the most. And Mortal Kombat four is great for bring bringing the series into three D. But, you know, because they kind of had to start over from the beginning, it doesn't have as expansive of a roster. In, in particular, I want to say not Mortal Kombat 3, but the Mortal Kombat trilogy. Yeah. Is, is really the definitive arcade experience. Definitely. Yeah. And, I mean, as far as Collateral Cinema's socials, I mean, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Same with Collateral Gaming, right? Yep, we can. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five star review. Uh, and as well, you can leave us feedback on your platform of choice. Uh, hit us up in the DMs. And you know, if you have any ideas, if you want us to cover something, if you want to be featured, uh, just talk to us. Hit us up. Yeah, definitely. We're always open to new ideas. So. Yep. But uh, I guess that's about all there is to say. Uh, that being said, I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Bo Maddox. We are Collateral Gaming Bonus Round and, and Collateral Cinema Director's Cut. Mortal Kombat! <laughs> Hello.
Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.